Welcome to the Vine Church TC Community Podcast. This is Jamie Jones, your host, and I am so excited to share with you conversations with people right here in our very own community. I hope this brings us all closer together and reaffirms to each listener that you belong. Today's conversation is with the Executive Director of the Boys and Girls Clubs of Benton and Franklin Counties. I learned a lot in this conversation because I thought I knew what the Boys and Girls Club was about, but it turns out there is a whole lot more (laughs) that they do and that they're involved in. I loved learning about how they pivoted during this pandemic and some of the insights Brian shares about the needs in our community and just his passion for education and youth development is so evident. So without any further ado, here is my conversation with Brian Ace. It is a pleasure to meet you and I am so thankful that you agreed to come on the podcast. Oh yeah. So we'll just jump right in with these questions. And the first question I have for you is just tell me about yourself and what role you play in the Boys and Girls Club. Yeah, so uh, my name is Brian Ace, and I'm the executive director of clubs. I'm a longtime Tricidian. So I was actually born at Catholic Hospital, raised here in town, uh, and have lived here my whole life. The only exception to that was when I went off to college. So I went to school at Seattle Pacific University, and early on went to a career fair, and who was there but Boys and Girls Club. And so I actually started working at the Boys and Girls Club in Ballard, part of the King County Boys and Girls Clubs. So that was my exposure to clubs. And most of my career has been with Boys and Girls Clubs since. Um, I was actually going to school to be a pastor of all things, so my degree is actually in theology, um, but quickly uh, decided that um, kind of the mission field for my wife and I was really clubs and the work we can do uh, in the Boys and Girls Club movement. So I uh, have been doing that um, for many a year now. So That's awesome. So, I mean, I can see how the, uh, the role of a pastor can still certainly be filled in, in a nonprofit setting for sure. Yeah. And it was a a great alignment for my wife and I, we met at the club in Seattle. Um, so we were coworkers there. And so we were kind of one of those boys and girls club romances. (laughs) And, uh, I still remember that awkward conversation of, of telling my boss that I was dating a coworker as a full disclosure thing and her laughing and saying, Brian, we all know. (laughs) um, that was, that was kind of our relationship was started at the club. But, um, yeah, for my wife and I kind of a driving part of who we are is really that care for widows and orphans and kind of that, that James motivation piece. And, um, and so that's led us to do the work we do professionally at clubs. Um, and her and I very much view it as, as ministry. And then it also impacts our home front as well as we are involved in the foster uh, movement and foster care system. And so, uh, that's a core piece of who we are. And so even though this is secular work uh, for my wife and I, we very much approach it as ministry. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about your family. You said you do, you do some foster fostering in your family. So it's a busy household right now during distance learning. Um, When we started having kids, my wife um, and I, you know, we did decide and she did stay home with the kids and she loves doing that. So she's managing distance learning as we speak. Uh, so we have a freshman this year, Owen. Um, we also have a seventh grader, uh, Micah. So our first two were boys. Uh, and then we also have a third and a fifth grader. 
um, with Hannah and Juliana, both girls. So we had two boys and then two girls all spaced two years apart. And um, they are keeping us busy. And then right now in our home, we do have um, a foster son, um, Elijah, who is one. And that is complicating distance learning to be sure. Um, but he's, he's doing a great job. So we're one of those families that um, our household numbers vary um, depending on who's with us at any given time. And, um, and we drive a big van and that's just the way it works. Yeah. So. Yeah. You need one. Some, well, right now I feel like it's overkill with there only being seven of us, but at times in the past, we have absolutely only, needed the big van. Only. Okay. What, what size van do you drive? Oh, we have an amazing van. I'm so proud of it. So it is one of the NV3500 12 passenger vans. And it looks like a tank. It is phenomenal. It's my favorite large van. So for anybody listening, if you're in the market for a large van, I highly recommend the Nissan. That's awesome. Wow. Um, yeah, the distance learning thing is, it's a learning curve for everyone. Yes. It's been so hard on families. I mean, it's hard on everybody in our community. It's just a lot to tackle. And people during this COVID time, we're all tackling um, more than we've ever tackled before. We're juggling things that we never thought we'd juggle. And um, sometimes they can always look good on the surface, but deep down we're all feeling it um, because uh, I don't think anybody really feels equipped for what we're all tackling and doing now. Yep. I agree. Well, and I'm sure we'll get into a little bit more of that side of things later on in the conversation. But I would love if you could tell me about the mission of the Boys and Girls Club. Yeah, so the mission of the club is pretty simple. Um, We are here to empower all young people, especially those who need us most, to realize their full potential as productive, responsible, caring citizens. And the big part of that mission is that, that statement in between those two commas, especially those who need us most. And that is a core driver of who we are at clubs. Um, And those kids look different. You know, there's obviously some uh, kids that jump to the surface of those who need us most. Some of those, you know, vulnerable youth in our community, like foster kids or children growing up in poverty or maybe inconsistency and, and insecurity in the home. But then sometimes it's kids that just need social connectedness or some additional job skills or a safe, positive place to be while their parents work. And and are supporting their family. So especially those who need us most is core to who we are. And mm-hmm. it looks a certain way, but it also has a huge variation as um, many kids approach this work from what their needs are. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what is the history? of? If you could tell me the history of the Boys and Girls Club, like when did yeah. it start and who started it? I know it's been around for a while. A long time. So Boys and Girls Clubs of Benton and Franklin Counties um, is an independent organization that started in the late 90s. But we are affiliated with Boys and Girls Clubs of America, who traces their roots back to the 1860s. And it actually, the roots of clubs were four uh, women that um, were friends from church that kind of saw all these kids around their houses. This is in Hartford, Connecticut, um, that didn't have a, a safe place to be between school and when parents arrived after long shifts in factories. And so these four women opened their homes uh, to serve these kids. And that was the first Boys and Girls Club. Now, back then, it was Boys Club. Um, we took a long time to, to really change our name and change our service model to be inclusive um, of those we serve. But Boys and Girls Club um, 
has been committed to serving kids for 150 plus years. That is a long time. It is. Now, locally, that looked different. We started in the late 90s uh, here locally. We found our first club location. So in a a perfect world, a, a club is a facility staffed by caring, committed adults that serve kids with a safe, positive place, great programs in the surrounding neighborhood. It's designed to be a neighborhood-based facility. So our first one was actually in Volunteer Park uh, in East Pasco. It was an interesting building. I did not get to experience it, but I've heard stories of the bugs and the pests and the the breeze and the lack of insulation. Um, But it was great to have a a place to start. And since then, over the last 20 years, obviously, we've grown and, and have clubs throughout our community. Um, some of those facility-based uh, traditional mentoring sites and uh, some childcare locations too, which we also um, are a childcare provider in the community. So both are present here in Tri-Cities. Wow. So, yeah, because I, I, I'm not sure how the whole organization even works because I yeah. know that there's Boys and Girls Clubs at my kids' schools. Sure. And, and which school do your kids attend? Which district? I ha- and we're in Pasco. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I have, I have a student at McClintock and I have a student at Livingston yep. and I have a student at McLaughlin. Sure. Oh. So Pasco is a great example because at some of those elementary schools will have a site at the school that is a childcare site, a licensed childcare program through the state. We don't fundraise for those programs. Those programs are supported either by parents fees or scholarships received through the state of Washington. But if, you're a parent at one of those schools, that may be all you think of with Boys and Girls Club. And so those sites are open right now, even in the midst of COVID. But then open right now as well as we have a 20,000 square foot building next to the stadium in Pasco, our main branch, um, where there's students in there right now that are bringing their masks and their computers, setting up shop and doing distance learning from the club, um, getting lunch at the club, getting snack at the club and having our staff mentor them and support their learning. And so those are our traditional clubs, which are community supported. So we, we have both models mm-hmm. and it's awesome. The diversity we have is great of the programs we offer. And it's also terrible because it absolutely confuses the community. Right, right. Well, I'm starting to think like, is. can I send my kids there? So, <laughs> what you just described sounds pretty amazing. No, you can't <laughs> because we're only opening it up to past members right okay. now. We'll talk yeah. in the future, but... My hope is you could just get to have your kids go back to school soon. Let's yeah. just hope for that. Yeah, so. right. <laughs> so what are the core values of the Boys and Girls Club? Um, let's, yeah. let's focus on the local chapter sure. or Absolutely. what would it be called? The local? Yeah, or local organization. Organization. Sure. Okay. So values. And I, I think whenever you ask a values question, there's the uppercase values and the lowercase values. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you talk about uppercase values, these are you know, those organizational values that you go through a process and, and you determine as a team and you're committed to. And this is very important to who we are. And so when we talk about our uppercase values, we're, we're really valuing things like respect, um, integrity, passion for youth, stewardship. Um, these are all things that are our organizational values. But I think you also then have those lowercase values, those things that are inherent to the work you do that just bleed their way out there. And there's some additional ones of those as well. You know, I think of a sense of fun. Um, I think of mentoring, stewardship as some of those lowercase v values as well. Um, But those are critical for us and it it guides us. When we have conflict, which happens organizationally, whether it's board and staff or staff and staff or staff and kid, we go back to our values um, to guide how we 
engage in that conflict and how we grow through that conflict. We do it with respect and we do it with integrity and we let passion for youth guide us. Those values are pretty critical in how we deal with conflict or disagreement when it arises. Mm-hmm. Well, that sounds very healthy. <laughs> well, <laughs> it has those moments of health. But, right. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, a, an organization is imperfect and filled with imperfect people. So True. I, I can't claim that there's not mistakes made in that. Right, right. So you described a few ways in which um, the Boys and Girls, Girls Club is serving the Tri-Cities uh, and the community needs. But maybe you could just expand on that a little bit, because it does sound like there's a variety of things that are happening all over the Tri-Cities. There's a lot. And so with that question, you know, let me ask a follow up. Um, is this about now what's being offered because of COVID or about what's normally offered? Because they are two different things. We've had to pivot and adjust in the midst of this pandemic. Absolutely. I want to know both. Okay. If you have time, because I want to know. Yeah. So historically, in in normal times, um, it's really those two service models we talked about. Um, We have our traditional clubs, facility-based clubs, um, providing mentoring, positive relationships, and great programs for kids. Um, there's no cost uh, to attend those programs or limited. We do a $20 a year membership for elementary kids, no cost for middle school and high school youth. Those are our traditional clubs that we have in Prosser, Kennewick, and Pasco. So that's one part of our service model. Um, the other part of our service model is licensed childcare, which the community doesn't necessarily support, but it does fulfill a critical community need. So these are safe, positive childcare programs in our community for kids starting at four weeks old. Um, all the way up to 12 years old. And so we have a variety of childcare locations throughout Tri-Cities. Um, now that's normal times. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you can tell I have a question. I yeah, did. I'm curious about the, uh, the Boys and Girls Clubs that are free. That are, is yeah. that just kind of like a drop-in? Like kids just show up and hang out? Drop-in is actually the word that we use. And it's um, the, the term that used to be used, but it's becoming less common. Is, is a way of serving latchkey kids. So okay. this is a very uncomfortable to a lot of people, but it's a, an area we're very comfortable providing services in because kids do drop in, mm-hmm. um, which means they'll come after school and they'll stay. And when they're done, they'll leave. Um, now we have many parents that do come pick up those younger members at the club, but we have a lot of kids that just walk home when they're mm-hmm. ready to walk home, uh, mm-hmm. especially at our, when we talk about our middle school and high school youth. So yeah, it's very much a drop-in style. Now, when kids come, we do have them fill out a membership form. And so that does have a parent signature where that parent is giving permission uh, for kids to come. But um, some parents we see on a daily basis because they'll come in and, and pick up and connect. And some parents we may never see. And that is just the reality of our work in those traditional clubs. So you have, the, you have staff people that just are there. Yeah. So the way we staff our clubs is... Um, Our clubs focus on three core areas. So we focus on academic success. And what that means for us at clubs is a young person graduates high school, uh, ready to be successful with what they want to do with their life. So if that means going to college, that's great. If it's uh, trade school, that's great. Military service, workforce. What is academic success to us is high school graduation, equipped to do with their lives what they want to do. So that's one of our our three core areas. Uh, The next one is... A healthy lifestyle. So we want kids to know what it looks like to eat healthy, to exercise, and to make healthy and age-appropriate lifestyle choices. So that's the second. And then the third is good character and citizenship. And so that's 
not only what it means to live in our community, our nation, our world, but what it means to give back and make our community, nation, and world a better place. And so those are the three outcome areas we focus on. As we staff for that, our staff work in those areas. Mm-hmm. So we have clubs that, or excuse me, rooms in our clubs um, that kids can go to, a gym, a games room, an art room, a learning center. And there's staff there in each of those spaces running programs and connecting with kids in a positive way to really extend out their school day, but do it in a way that doesn't feel like learning. It just feels like play. I mean, that's the, the beauty of it that takes place in those traditional drop-in clubs. I love that. So, so that's traditionally what's mm-hmm. been happening. And so now during global pandemic, global pandemic time, <laughs> how has that changed? Yeah, our staff have done awesome. Um, so on a, if I remember correctly, on a, on a Friday is when we got notice of the governor's order. And all of a sudden, um, our state's on lockdown, um, essential workers only, schools are closed. And so our staff quickly pivoted. Now for our childcare staff, remember we have our traditional clubs and our childcare staff. Our childcare staff easily deemed essential workers. Childcare was called out early on. So they had to be ready the next day or the following Monday, they had to be ready to offer care to essential and emergency workers in our community, which they did. And they did it incredibly well. And they've been doing it nonstop since that started. So during the pandemic, one of our our core service areas is childcare for essential workers. And so we continue to to offer that um, throughout our community. But our traditional clubs, it was a little different. Uh, we had to figure out what does that look like in this environment with kids not coming to the club? Because as we look at it for our traditional clubs, historically, it was really deemed as kind of a phase three operation was the original thought. Until Washington State got to phase three, our traditional clubs would stay closed. But it didn't mean they didn't do anything. So we did two things early on. One was family support services. So our traditional clubs turned into distribution hubs. And so we delivered Um, close to 25,000 meals or snacks each week um, from those sites. And those were doorstep deliveries. We identified the families that we served that weren't making it to school distribution sites or food distribution locations, and we delivered to their doorstep. It was an access issue, and our staff solved it. So didn't, and it wasn't just food. It was homework packets, learning support, all, you know, projects and games, all that delivered to their doorstep. So that was pretty, pretty amazing to see what staff did. And then the third piece during COVID, emergency child care, family support services. And that third was virtual club. What does it look like to connect with people via Zoom when you can't connect in person? And our virtual club launched back in April, and it is amazing. The content of our virtual club is awesome, um, either the classes or the single videos or the weekly live shows. But it's a great way to bring Boys and Girls Club and who we are to all kids of the community, not just our members that used to come, but all kids. And it's been exciting to see that launch. Absolutely. I had no idea. We got to check this out. You need to go look at it. So your (laughs) kids would love it. Um, It's a great resource. And we were committed to building content before we built audience. But it's now time to build audience. So yes, I would encourage everybody to check out uh, Virtual Club at our website or YouTube or Facebook or Instagram or Pinterest or wherever else you go. And there's amazing, amazing offerings for kids. Definitely. That's so cool. We will check that out in our family for sure. So you said you've been doing that since April. 
So that didn't take you very long. I mean, we got lucky with virtual club because we have one of our sites in town is our music and arts center, which specializes in music, art, and technology and dance. And that site was well positioned based on the skill set of the staff to do this. So when you go into our music and arts center now, it's like a a TV studio, which is kind of cool to see. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) So what would you say are the challenges or hurdles that the Boys and Girls Club faces? I know, obviously, with the pandemic, there was some additional unexpected hurdles, like like everyone had to kind of face and yeah and cope with. But um, just kind of generally speaking, what are some of the things that have been challenging? Yeah, I think some of the ones you're going to hear from most nonprofits. You know, obviously, funding has been a challenge. Obviously, um, meeting with people has been a challenge. Delivery of services has been a challenge. Are we able to create as much of an impact with a mask on and socially distanced as we can with a more personal connection? Can we have as much impact via Zoom virtual connection with teens and mentoring as we can with, with being there in person? So those are some of the challenges that all nonprofits have faced. Um, you know, I think over the last month, our, the, if I had to pick like a challenge or a hurdle that really keeps us up at night, it's how do we ensure equity of education for the kids in our community? You know, you and I teased at the start of this about our families and how they're doing with, with distance learning. And I know in my household, um, it's a challenge. And my guess is in your household, it's a challenge. Your household and my household are probably not representative of the community as a whole. Right. And um, this is, is a real challenge for the kids we serve. That is the ultimate hurdle that we think about every day, is it's not the kids that are logging in, it's the kids that aren't. It's not the parents that are complaining on Facebook or advocating to the school uh, board or staff. It's those that aren't. And so that is the biggest challenge. How do we make it so that kids that already had a disadvantage in education, there was an equity or justice uh, barrier there, that they don't fall further behind? Mm-hmm. That is the hurdle. Um, you know, summer learning loss, if you've ever heard that term, mm-hmm. but summer learning loss or the summer slide is a real thing. And, you know, the data out there is pretty strong that children that grow up in low-income households will lose about 22% of learning from the previous year during those summer months. Um, it's why we have so much review that takes place in the fall when we restart is to give some of that learning back that was lost uh, during the summer slide. The COVID slide or COVID learning loss, we're just beginning to measure. Mm-hmm. But the estimates out there is that if we delay in-person instruction until January 1st, between March and that January, low-income kids would have lost nine months of instruction. That's scary. So those are the hurdles and challenges that, that keep us up at night the most, is mm-hmm. for those kids who need us most, what can we do as an organization, um, as a nonprofit in our community, to help those young people to to learn and to grow and to have an appropriate learning environment. That's the biggest challenge and hurdle we face. Yeah. And it is not a small one. And no. it's one that it's one that the, the, the school district has been trying to figure out as well. Yep. I'm sure it's just, it's just not, not easy. And that was something I had been thinking about as well as the, the equity 
You know, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of amazing technology that can be utilized. um, But you have to have access and you have to have, um, you can't just assume everybody has a printer or paper for that matter. So, yeah. Well, and I think it's, you know, those are maybe the easier ones to tackle. I think the challenge that worries me the most is um, appropriate learning environment. Mm. So if you think of many of the the kids we serve in our traditional clubs, you're talking about multi-generational low-income households, Um, you know, three generations of people in low square footage space. And it's one thing to have a computer. It's another to have internet access. It's another to be able to give the focus that you need in an environment that's conducive for learning to engage. Right. And if you're talking about a, a middle schooler that's caring for younger siblings, are they going to be able to engage as a middle schooler while they're caregiving? Probably not. If you think about, you know, multiple kids in the same room trying to engage because there's not square footage to spread out, are they going to have as easy as, as some of their peers in different settings? No, right. they're not. And so that appropriate learning environment is kind of the, the critical need um, and challenge as I see it, you know, it was really great for our traditional clubs where even though we're not necessarily supposed to open till phase three, like we were before, we do see ourselves as an essential service based on the education needs of kids. Mm-hmm. So kids are coming to the club to engage in that learning right now. Mm-hmm. And that's important during this time because mm-hmm. every kid deserves a safe and appropriate learning environment in which to do distance learning. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's awesome that there is a space and that some kids, some kids at least are being able, are, are utilizing that. Yes. I wish there was more spaces mm-hmm. and we'll get there as a community, but yeah, right now uh, that is what we've got. We're, we're doing the best with it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So do you have a personal story of how being a part of this mission has impacted your life? Like, I mean, you've been involved for many, many years, yeah. sounds like for the majority of your career. Um, but why? Why are you involved and, and how has this impacted your life? Yeah. Um, so I think for me personally, maybe a, a, a best illustration of that is, you know, I had a, a setting growing up where, you know, my parents divorced when I was um, in elementary school and um, have great relationship with both my parents, very loving parents. But being a child of a broken home is inherently challenging. You feel a sense of not knowing where you belong and, and uh, where you identify and who you identify with. And, and so, you know, I was one of those kids that I think would have benefited if Boys and Girls Club existed when I was a child. And so I guess from a personal perspective, I think maybe some of the most meaningful experiences for my wife and I both have been when we've been able to create those mentoring relationships with kids that, that last. Um, where um, we know that for a variety of reasons in their life, they need additional caring adults to come alongside them and be their cheerleader, their coach, their champion. And so, you know, some of those moments that just fill your bucket up personally is like, uh, you know, a moment where a, a club kid, um, you know, invited me to be their, their best man at their wedding or, you know, a, a club kid that, um, you know, will share just the role and the impact that, that you made in their life. Um, or just those those Facebook relationships that get created, you know, long after kids are gone that are maintained. You know, I think of my wife, especially, who still has a mentoring relationship with kids we served in Seattle in the late 90s when they were in second and third grade. Um, I think those fill your bucket is is those deep, lasting um, 
relationships that, that really, really fill you up. Um, you know, I think that the other side on a personal side is just what being part of the club has taught me. Um, you know, my wife and I, as we worked with clubs, um, we kind of learned the kind of parents we wanted to be. And now we try to live that out with our kids, you know, or serving a lot of kids in the club that, that um, are in the foster system and have that instability in their life. That's part of what led us to wanting to be foster parents is because of that. So I think it's a, a mix from a personal side of what we experience and what fills that bucket, but also what we learn. And clubs mm-hmm. have been a great teacher for my family of compassion and context and perspective. Um, I think my wife and I and our kids are different because we have a perspective um, of the challenges that people face based on our work with clubs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of personal, uh, I, this is meaningful work to, to my family and I for yeah. a variety of reasons. So Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I can tell. That's just, that's awesome. Well, and it sounds like you're in the right line of work because um, your passion is coming through as well. So that's awesome. Awesome to see that. Um, Do you have a story or could you, you probably have hundreds of stories, but could you share a story of somebody who's someone else besides your own um, or your family's, someone's life that has been impacted by the Mm. Boys and Girls Club? Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I think the one that jumps in my head first, just because it's so personal to me, is a, a young man that grew up in one of our clubs. Um, both of his parents struggled with addiction, um, uh, one to alcohol um, and, and one, one to meth. Um, grew up in that broken home, inconsistency of parenting. Uh, he was kind of a kid that reminded me a lot of me. Um, some of those same struggles I experienced of identity and where do I belong, he was experiencing as well. And we just created an amazing friendship um, through the club. Um, and, the, you know, and, and he speaks to this, but the club became um, a second home to him, a sense of family, and really gave him a sense of direction and purpose uh, in his life. And just to see him now, I mean, he's now in his early 20s. Um, he uh, recently married, just bought a house. Um, you know, it, it was him that, that I was his best man at his wedding. It was him that, um, you know, calls and, and asks those questions about, you know, fence installations and engagements and proposals. And, um, and he's a friend. And I think um, he speaks a lot. Um, and his name is Zebby. I don't, it's okay. I think I have to share this in his context. He's not hidden. His name is Zebby and he's now an officer with Kennel Police Department. Um, always wanted to be in law enforcement and the club really helped guide that work but um, is very clear in talking about the fact that clubs are more than just a place to go. It's a family to be part of. And um, I I think that's a great testament to who we are as an organization. And is it that way for all the kids we serve? No. Some we see for a season and then they move on. Um, But for many of the kids we see, the clubs become a part of their history and life that is life-changing for them. It gives them that sense of family. It gives them that direction. It gives them that positive outlet and a place to serve and grow. And Zebby's a great example of that um, here in our community. And, and I think you know, that's where the magic of club happens is when you've got the, the kid that needs it with the staff that can provide it and then change happens. Right. That's awesome. 
That's a great story and a great example. Sounds like that was a huge, obviously a huge part of his life. And still is. And he still gives back um, Mm -hmm. and is super involved in clubs. And that's awesome. Totally. So um, what are some ways that people can support the Boys and Girls Club? Yeah. So it's an interesting time to ask that question. Um, You know, I think whenever you talk about this, um, I think the the big thing that jumps out is the, the three T's, time, talent, and treasure. And um, I think that's very true during COVID, but it's different. So of course, support of the club financially is great. Of course, advocacy for our work is awesome. But um, volunteerism is something that we are actually pretty limited on right now because of COVID. And so people can't give as much from a time and a, and a talent perspective. But I, let me throw out a few ideas if, if um, uh, you know, a, a listener you know, wants to jump on something. Our staff have been amazing. Sometimes that coffee, that lunch, that note of appreciation is a great way for people to be involved right now. Um, Our staff are doing amazing work. Um, They are essential workers on the front lines, connecting with kids in an incredibly stressful environment um, to give them the supports they need to be successful. But they're often forgotten. We don't see them as much in the media as we do healthcare workers or or police officers or, or who, you know, teachers or whoever else. Um, mm-hmm. Our staff are awesome. I think a great way for people to get connected is just encourage people. Coffee, food, note card, you know, a bouquet of balloons outside one of our sites at 6.30 when we pull up. So I think that's probably the way I would say, you know, outside of, of course, the money and of course, the advocacy, but um, encouragement is mm-hmm. so valuable right now. And I think mm-hmm. almost everybody can do that. No, mm-hmm. anybody can bake a plate of cookies and drop it off or, right. or, uh, or send a note through the mail. Right. Yeah. Those are great practical, practical ideas. And I'm curious what, um, what does advocacy look like and to, to advocate for the boys and girls club and from, I think your, it's in, beyond from your that. perspective? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say it's, don't advocate for the boys and girls club, advocate for kids, but advocate for for the kids that are most vulnerable. I think oftentimes we fall into the trap of advocating for our kids, our kids' friends, our kids' sphere of influence. Well, my kids are not representative of vulnerable youth in the community. I need to spend less energy advocating for my kids or kids like my kids and instead advocate um, for those kids that need it most. And I guess that would be the advocacy I would encourage people. Read, listen to things. Have conversations that guide you to think outside of the box that we all live in to understand the situation that many young people in our community are facing, whether that's because they're growing up in poverty, whether there's racial justice challenges in our community and their youth of color, um, you know, whether it's related to whether their families have documentation or not to do the work that they're doing. I mean, there's a lot of kids in our community that the best way to advocate is for us to learn how their experience may be different than our experience and, and to meet them and those families where they're at. So I guess that's the piece I would push for from an advocacy perspective is to give voice to the kids that don't have a voice. Mm-hmm. Don't give more of a voice to the kids that already have one. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a challenge for all of us to be able to step outside of what we know to try to learn mm-hmm. about a broader group of kids and, and what it looks like to, to grow up in our community. Mm-hmm. So 
So right now, obviously things look different and limit, uh, volunteer opportunities are limited and so on, but eventually we will come out of this time. Yes, we will. It'll be soon and it'll be great. So there's the encouragement for the day. Yes. And so when that time comes, if somebody was interested in becoming involved, what is the first step that they would take? Uh, Just head to our website, uh, www.greatclubs.org. And you'll see a link there on volunteering. And fill out that form. Let us know your interests and let us plug in with kids. You know, that may be something where it's maybe once a month for a special program. Maybe it's taking care of the grounds. Maybe it's making meals for families. You can decide what that volunteerism look like, looks like. But I think that first step is, is go to the website, pick up the phone and call and just say, I want to help. How can I help? I think that's okay. important. And that right. can be done now, but it'll definitely be easier later. Right, right. And so... The website you said is Great Clubs, so it's, it's, great not, clubs. it's not Boys and Girls Club. It's Great nope. Clubs. Yep, greatclubs.org. So okay. um, absolutely. Or you can just Google Boys and Girls Clubs, Benton and Franklin Counties, and you'll be good to go. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I do have one final question to yeah. kind of wrap up our conversation. And... <laughs> So we're obviously we've referred to our pandemic life, you know, lots um, just in this conversation alone, but I would love to know what is one thing that's bringing you joy right now? Oh, so I, this is a great question and I'm going to cheat a little bit and I'm going to pull up an an email. So um, this (laughs) this is one thing that brought me joy in the last hour. And uh, I think these are the small things we can look for as parents. So it's going to be a parent moment. So distance learning has been a challenge with my high schooler. He's, think of starting freshman year in a distance learning environment. I mean, I think kindergarten's the hardest. I have no doubt about that. But if I had to pick the next hardest grade to do distance learning started, it would be ninth grade. New school, new kids, new routine. I just think it's hard. And uh, it's been a process for the last you know, week of getting him going on distance learning. And it was the coolest moment. It brought me so much joy because my son sent me an email. Like, whose son emails them? I think this is just great. It, it, it tickled me. And he sent me an email, and the subject line is, thanks. And it says, okay. thanks for helping me figure out school schedules and stuff. I think I have a pretty good system worked out now. Oh, that's No signature, awesome. no sincerely. That is the email, that's and hilarious. it made my day. Okay, that he, brings me joy right now. Absolutely. I wonder if it was an assignment. Oh, don't ruin it. <laughs> no, it no wasn't. I'm not. This was I'm spontaneous not. I'm gratitude. Not, yeah, that's right. It was. Well, I'm not trying to ruin it, but it's funny because <laughs> because the whole email thing that was my my kids his first assignment was was practicing writing an email, not to his parent, but to his teacher. And um, I hope that's not what just <laughs> no, happened. it wasn't because if it was an assignment, he would have had to have uh, and who it was addressed to. He would have had to, okay. you know, say who it was from, and he would probably have had to like copied in his teacher on that. So, so it either was. it wasn't an assignment or he just <laughs> failed his first distance learning assignment and didn't do well. No. I'm not no. going to let your comment steal my joy. That is <laughs> what brought me don't. joy today, and I'm sticking with it. You should. You should. I shouldn't have even said that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, Brian, thank you. Thank you yeah. so much for taking the time. And I just it was loved- a great conversation. It, it was. was good meeting you and, 
and uh, getting to, to talk a bit about clubs and life and, and where yeah, we're now. and I feel like I learned a lot about clubs that I did not know before. I really didn't know much about about the boys and gr- girls clubs. So I feel like I know more now, and I want to check out the online stuff. Good with Please my do. kids. Yeah. yeah, you'll like it. And so good virtual challenges on there. So a great way to engage with your kids in a positive way. So good virtual go challenge. Okay, I'm going to write that down. Okay. All right. Well, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and I look forward to meeting you in real life and your wife one day. And it sounds like she still works. Does she still, is she still involved with the clubs? She's involved just because she loves the work. So okay. she's definitely not on payroll, but she's also not a stranger. Right. Right. Well, <laughs> and she's got a lot going on in her, um, in your, you guys have a lot going on in your world. In your she's tour. pretty amazing. She drives the big van. So <laughs> A big man. Oh, that's so great. All right. Well, again, thank you, Brian. Thanks for the opportunity. It's always good to talk. Of course. All right. right. Take care. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed listening to this conversation. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any of these stories that help us connect with each other right here in the Tri-Cities.